0: You can go back and see days that are dead and gone hundred thousand sunsets ago
1: Not a bad life Better we two The stiffs are getting lively again Use the saint Find your lady Or you're dismissed What hand is, is this? That's more like it I saw the fall of Troy, World War V. Now I'm going to die in a dungeon. In Cardiff.
0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Discussing Who. As of this recording, it is Thursday, January the 25th, 2018, and we are preparing to review Doctor Who Series 1, Episode Number 3, The Unquiet Dead. So for you, wherever you may be in all of space and time, thank you for listening, and be sure to subscribe to our show via Apple Podcast or your favorite podcast player. Also, we invite you to check out our new Discussing Comics podcast, where we discuss a variety of characters wherever they may be found, be it the big screen, the small screen, online, or in print. To find out more and subscribe, you can visit DiscussingComics.com. Now, for introductions, and a welcome back, Mr. Lee Shackleford. Hi, guys. I'm back with you. And they're ready to talk about the unquiet dead. Uh, They just won't never stay quiet. They keep walking, don't they? (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) All right. So, welcoming also, Mr. Clarence Brown. What's been going on with you, Clarence?
2: I try to stay as far away from the rift as I can. You know? (laughs) Kind of what I try to do generally. I'm uh, doing
0: good. Cool. Cool. Well, how about you know, yourself, sir? I can't complain. It's, uh, um, not freezing in the South. You know, I want to, I want to mention something. I'm, I'm glad you asked that in our last episode. We were talking, or it may have been the episode before that, but I think it was the last one. We were talking about snow for some reason and being cold. And we <laughs> were wondering whether or not that there was snow in Britain. And our friend Dave Cooper replied and showed us some pictures and the answer to do they get snow in britain is a big <laughs> yes
2: yes <laughs> yeah his volkswagen was almost completely buried by the snow so i, I felt kind of bad about that one <laughs> yeah and i kind of felt like i should have just gone to like the weather
0: channel but it was like it was a good way to like bring dave into the conversation nonetheless That's right. but it was but- like
1: okay i should have gone to the weather channel you know it it ties right in with this episode because that that dickensian christmas that you know is in all lives in all of our minds thanks to christmas carol it, it's all snow it's all snow and yeah. ice it's you know uh, that's yeah. we know that london gets buried in snow sometimes <laughs> especially when it's christmas day
0: absolutely especially but see i always here so so you know Well, I'm not going to say spoilers. I'm just going to say science fiction in general. I've always just attributed the snow in Britain to, like, exploding spaceships.
1: Ah, that's not snow. That's ash.
0: Yeah. So, you know, that's just how I've always kind of just in my mind kind of looked at it was, (laughs) that's not snow. That's exploding ash.
1: Yes. So,
0: um Let's talk uh, just for a second. there was something that I saw online and I shared this article with you guys. Did you have a chance mm-hmm. to read the article that I posted about uh, the strange copyright of Doctor. Who?
1: No, I have not oh, oh I, I did, although there were no surprises. that's all stuff that i I knew, but that's you know that's a those, those are things that are of interest to me. So I've read about that many times in the past. All right. So, so Lee, why don't you kind of, um,
0: cause I, I, you know, some of those things were new to me. So, uh, for anyone listening and since Clarence hadn't had a chance, cause I just posted it earlier today, like literally during the work day. So, um, c- kind of clue in for myself included, give us the synopsis of the copyrights
1: and Doctor Who. Yeah, uh, in, it's a, it's only a surprise to us here in the U.S. because we're accustomed to the big corporation model of intellectual property. So if you work for Marvel and you are a writer, an artist, whoever, and you create a character, that character now belongs to Marvel. Um, <clears throat> if you are drawing for Disney and so on, you, you create a character that belongs to Disney. That's just how it goes. And that's part of the deal when you go to work for them. Um, <clears throat> when, um, but when, In the early days of Doctor Who, the deal was that if a if a if a writer comes in and creates a character, that character belongs not to the BBC but to that writer. So, from the second series of the original Doctor Who, Terry Nation has been the Dalek person, and every time that they've gone, they brought the Daleks back, they've had to go to negotiate with Terry Nation. And I love that his last name is Nation. So that just seems to me like the Terry Nation is full of Daleks, <laughs> uh, you know. But the same thing, and, and I'm, I'm not going to be able to recall the names of all these other writers. But but the 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 person who created the Autons owns the Autons. The person who created Cybermen, Cybermen, and so on and so forth. Um, you, you'll notice that is no longer true <laughs> uh, in terms of the new things being created. But like from the this very, but from Rose, they had to to. Negotiate with the, the, the family that still owns the autons. Yeah, um, interesting. And so I guess that's going to be true in perpetuity. But, um, uh, well, well the, uh, the writer who created, uh, who wrote the, um, now I'm drawing a blank on the, the fourth Doctor serial that introduced K9 uh, because he wrote that. K9 is his.
0: Is, is it the same guy that does the, um, Let's see. Was created by Bob Baker and Dave Martin, and they still
1: hold the rights. There's so many professional Bob Bakers that I can never remember which one is which. <laughs> so that 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 may, that may be true. That may be right. So here's the here's the uh,
0: thing that's interesting about K Nine. Yeah. That's why we've had all of these, you know, the Australian spinoff that people pretty much couldn't stand because they gave this new uh, cute. I would. I'm going to call it cutesy version of K-9 that uh, pretty cute. much, yeah. you, know, yeah. you know, pretty much a flop. So, yeah, because um, he was cute enough already. You don't, <laughs> yeah, I mean, there was nothing wrong. You don't with need him. to add a layer of cute. To, it was, yeah. I mean, he was K-9. So, I mean, um, the interesting thing that I find about that kind of makes me wonder if the way things were done, especially in the fifties, forties, thirties, um, you know, it was just a different time and a different medium and no one expected these characters to still be around this much longer because this sounds very similar to a YouTube video that Clarence and I did on our YouTube channel, which can be found at discussing who, uh, excuse me, YouTube.discussingwho.com where we talked about how the gentleman by the name of Bob Kane who created Batman was not
1: really the oh. sole creator of Batman. Right. That we, we've we been, yeah, we've been undervaluing the contribution of Bill Finger for decades. Correct. Yeah. Exactly.
0: So, I mean, I just thought so- that that was quite interesting. And why is this timely now? All of this came back up recently because the person who created Alistair Gordon Lethbridge-Stewart Right. had rights to not only St- Lethbridge Stewart, but I'm sure had to get permission for there to be a Kate Stewart. And obviously they didn't ask for permission to create the grandfather Stewart.
1: Right. So, so yes. And so that writer's heirs uh, and assigns all sat up at the end of uh, tw- uh, Twice Upon a Time and said, wait a minute. <laughs> excuse me. Uh, excuse me, please. You're not paying uh, me for this. <laughs> right. Yeah. This, aren't we supposed to get a – a pound and a half every time somebody says Let's Bridge Stewart.
2: So, yeah, I, th- I think what's interesting about this is, is, is that these characters really are nothing without Doctor Who. So it's like sort of an inverse of what we have um, over here in America. You can't really take these characters and spin off a show and it'd be any good. I guess you could try. Well,
1: uh, <laughs> and this- it may or are We've had three. We've had three different K nine shows e- with, with, with the idea that yes, you can. But but yeah, I think you're right. <laughs> right. What happens is, and you know now they're yeah. trying
0: to. Or actually, I think in Australia they're doing it a K
2: nine big screen movie. So on on those K nine standalone adventures, can they reference Doctor Who? Is that not allowed? I would. I don't think so. I would I don't think, think, think so. I mean, not so like Lee's saying. Yeah. 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 Also, something else is interesting here that it, I guess kind of separates us from America is the fact that isn't the BBC owned by the government? Is that uh, true?
1: It, it, in a way. Yeah. I mean, it's paid for by by rate payers. They instead of you know commercials and so on, you you, you pay a fee up front. Um, it's not really a government entity, but it is. Um, boy, I'm sure Dave could explain that so much better, but I, you know, but, but it, it it amounts to being a, you know, I I guess it's more like a utility. It's, it's sort of like, you know, your local power company.
2: Yeah. Yeah. No, go ahead. I said, so in that sense, uh, as to oppose what we have over here, where everything is pretty much owned by a big corporation with interests, lawyers and all this stuff behind it, it, it's a vastly different landscape, um, than, than what you see in this case, yeah.
1: Well, and, you know, go ahead, go ahead. Oh, when we were when I was reading that article, I was thinking how interesting it is that at the same time that people like Terry Nation came away from the you know the first Dalek story owning what has turned into an empire, the empire of the Daleks. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, but that meanwhile, if you were an, an, an employee outright of the BBC, then. Um, for example, if you were Delia Derbyshire, um, her contract says that anything that she does is the output of the BBC radiophonic workshop. So, it, you know, it was, it was a long time before any of us as fans really had any idea what an extraordinary genius she was and how, how amazing the creation of that original theme tune was and oh, yeah. a myriad of other, uh, sound effects that, that she created because her name is not on it because yeah, because as far as the BBC is concerned, she's the BBC Radiophonic Workshop. Correct. You know? and, um, and and kind of like with the, uh, the case of Bill Finger, her, her family has had to campaign, and fans have campaigned. And now she's actually getting credit for the original theme song, which is, you know, finally. Which I think that's
0: really, really cool that one of the top Doctor Who podcasts th- it are, is, number one, all women, and number two, is named after her. I just think that's really, really cool. Yep. As well, it should be. (laughs) So, yeah. All right. So before we get into, um, the actual review that we're here to talk about tonight. I just want to mention once again that Hulanta 2018 is coming up. You can find out more information at Hulanta.com. That will be in the first weekend of May, uh, this, you know, coming spring. And right now guests include Louise who who is Leela and Rachel. And I'm going to let Lee, uh, <laughs> say the name as she says it. Talali. Talali.
2: Got you. Colvane. So, Cal, I lightly had, almost had a heart attack when I read uh, Louise Jameson, and I had a slightly dyslexic moment and read it as uh, Jenna Louise. I'm like, what, what, what? <laughs> what, what, what? I could yeah. see that. <laughs> yes. Uh-huh. Your eyes <laughs> saw mm-hmm. at what you
0: wanted to see. Yeah, memory. Exactly. Yeah. But then your eyes had a little bit of clarity
1: and saw that it was Leela. Ooh, clarity. is That's good. Um, <laughs> has Has Jenna done a, a convention in the U.S.? Do I we know? Don't
0: know. Do you, Clarence? You're the. Claire. I, uh, I would say
2: yes. I, I've definitely seen her as the headliner on a few, uh, but I know she counseled on uh, one last year. So I don't know if she has been over here. I would say yes, but I don't know. Yeah, yeah I, I haven't been aware of it,
1: but well, up here in uh, in my part of the South, here in North Carolina, there's a convention coming that is uh, called SuperCon and is going to have a bazillion um, uh, hotshot guests, um, uh, including Catherine Tate and John Barrowman. Oh uh, wow! So I, yeah, uh, I hadn't planned to go, but holy smoke! Um <laughs> and, and so when is that? <laughs> Oh, golly, I don't know.: Supercon Raleigh. I think people should Google that. Cool beans. Yeah. So
0: speaking of John Berriman, um, mm-hmm. I w- would think that it would be so cool to see John Berriman, and if I remember correctly, John Berriman will be at Pensacon in Florida in the last weekend in February. As, oh, nice. as will Gemma Redgrave, who is, of course, uh, Kate Stewart, and a lot more. So, uh, anybody interested in Pensacon can go to pensacon.com, and that's again February the 23rd through the 25th. Mm. Coming right up. Coming right up right around the corner, believe it or mm. not. So, John, I
1: assume, I assume the three of us are all going to be at, uh, Who Lanta, formerly Timegate also yes I, <laughs> I, I would assume no mm. less okay i, I yeah. would assume that uh
0: we um already uh made reservations and all of that
1: like how how long ago was it maybe mm-hmm. 8 months ago <laughs> okay so yes. yeah i i have i have made no plans so yeah i'll, I, I'll limp i'll limp down there and try to yeah catch up with you guys Make plans. <laughs> i need to make plans make plans <laughs> the dead will walk make plans
0: <laughs> all right so gentlemen do you guys have anything else before we
1: actually get into the episode that we're here to talk about tonight I don't think so. What, what the Shakespeare could we possibly want to talk about other than this? <laughs> I don't know,
0: but I do know that I like two sugars in my coffee. That's what I do know. <laughs> So um, for anyone watching, if are listening, uh, we hope that you've watched this episode, because if you have not watched this episode and do not want to be spoiled, put us on pause. Go. And if you have Amazon Prime and you're in the U.S. or probably if you're on Amazon Prime or whatever and you're not in the U.S., I don't know, but. Regardless, go, uh, and watch this particular episode, The Unquiet Dead. It is episode number three of the 2005 <laughs> series. So go watch, because Sorry. if you do not want to be spoiled, beware, because from henceforth, spoilers.
1: Spoilers. 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 Spoilers.
0: And the spoiler warning has been given, so let me give just a little facts and then we will delve right in. This particular episode aired on April the 9th, 2005 in the UK. It did not air in the U.S. until March the 24th, 2006, almost a year later in the uh, U.S. on the Sci-Fi Channel. It is written by Mark Gatiss, which was the first time he wrote for the series and was directed by Euros Lin, which is the second time for the series for him. So, Clarence, question for you. Initial thoughts. Did you enjoy this episode?
2: Hmm. You know, whether you're uh, lighting gas lamps or torching wood, uh, <laughs> I think this was a very interesting episode. And I always love when they go in the past because it's like we're halfway on pins and needles, not to really botch something up that's going to ruin the future. Mm. And, you know, a great adventure for a rose going into the past for the first time. So I really enjoyed it. Okay, Mr. Shackleford, what do you think?
1: I remember back in March 2006 seeing this and just feeling like now the show has really hit its stride. I just it's a good thrilling um thrilling monster story. I loved the doctor throughout this and um was just quite taken with Rose's costume. So oh, I. yeah. <laughs> God bless you Billy Piper. <laughs> um but um but you know and it's got Charles Dickens in it, for heaven's sake. And uh, uh, whenever we can go into the past and meet a famous historical figure, that's something that I always enjoy. That's something I usually enjoy, I will say. Sometimes in the classic series, it has not been a, a, a big deal. But this was, I thought, a really thoughtful and, and uh, loving treatment of uh, of Dickens at this time in his life. And uh, so I, I really enjoyed that. And I loved uh, Eve Miles in this show, and I was sorry that she, um, to skip ahead a bit, gets blown up at the end. And I thought, boy, that's too bad. I, I kind of like that actress. I was hoping we'd see her again someday. <laughs>
0: yeah, I mean, like, really, truly. I mean, what was her name? Uh, Gwyneth? Gwyneth, yeah. Yeah. I really like – and I like the name, too, to believe it or Exactly,
1: not. yeah. Yeah. If she was on another – yeah, if she could somehow come back as – Gwen, that would be. I know, grave, but it was like she got torched in
0: this exactly. episode. With like they had
1: just put her on a s- stack of wood yeah. and just all torched that, her. And well, was it incarnate?
2: Cardiff? Were we incarnate yes, we're in Cardiff? Yes, we're in Yes, we're right on top of the rift. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. So mm, this is go. my this is my question for you guys. <clears throat> I don't remember this episode before going in to watch Torchwood. I remember Kyle mentioning that she was on the episode before and maybe I even like looked it up at the time. But wow, this is why this episode is kind of special to me because I love Torchwood so much. Do they make references in any other, any other episodes or Torchwood itself about her being in the past, or this is a long lost relative, or something, or is it just merely we wanted to bring this actor
1: mm-hmm. back? Can we can we talk about Torchwood? Is that uh, sure? Bending, Let's go bending for the rules, hey. B- bending the rules
0: of the episode. All right. So if anyone has not seen Torchwood <laughs> and you haven't figured it out already, put Do the a spoilers pause, again. because yeah. from henceforth,
1: spoilers. Spoilers. Okay. So yes, Torchwood. But yes, the the tenth Doctor recognized her.
2: Oh. And, uh,
1: yeah, and said, is it possible that you had a, a relative, a, you know, a, a great, great aunt or something that you? and, uh, and Gwen said, yeah, I've always been told that. Yeah. Why do you ask? <laughs> oh, nothing.
0: But, but you know what I found interesting about Torchwood and Clarence, since you, you know, I've watched all of them, but for Torchwood for me was similar to how your watching of Doctor Who was before we started doing you know the reviews uh, and you would go back and watch a second time which was i watched it that one time through but i can't think of any episode that i went back and watched a second time so having said that yeah. to correct me if i'm wrong here do you or either one of you for that matter do you guys remember I know that when Torchwood appeared on Doctor Who, of course he referred to them as, you know, knowing them, but I don't recall on Torchwood proper, they ever mentioned the, the you know, the name, the doctor, even though we did see the hand, you know, mm. the hand in the jar. It was like you might hear the TARDIS groan or you might he- hear him say, mm. well, a guy gave this to me or someone, but it was almost like, Went on Torchwood, they didn't maybe have because the right they, to use the the name The Doctor?
2: Hmm. You know what? The shows have weaved back and forth with a few crossover episodes. Oh. I can't really decipher. And neither <laughs> can you? I, you know? Yeah, I mean, I would say it seems like it because, again, the reference to The Hand, uh, I could have sworn they mentioned The Doctor in those instances, but I could be wrong. It could have just been a loose reference where they didn't specifically say the doctor, you know. Now
0: and and now this has um, enticed me to want to go back and watch and see.
2: Yeah, <clears throat> there you go. So, I, yeah, well, I was just going to mention like, and I know we're going to get into it, but the I wonder that the writer, which I'm assuming is this, is is our uh, Russell T, no. who uh he didn't write. This now, episode? Mark Gates. Oh, wow. That's Mark Gatiss, yeah. Wow. So, man, they really ran with this Rift idea. <laughs> I was trying to tie the two together, but, man, they really ran with this Rift idea in, in, uh, in Torchwood. Because <laughs> it's the whole premise for the show. It is. And, and later on in uh, – because
1: I guess now that we're talking about things that are going to happen later on, uh, we'll actually uh, pause the TARDIS for a while on the Rift to refuel.
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: Um, yeah. <clears throat> so – um, boy, this is the, the one of those rare times when I wish that we were actually doing a video because I'd like to drop in here a photo that my wife took of me at the spot that they always indicate as being the uh, the secret entrance to Torchwood, which and you, which you know is right on top of the rift. So I wow. I, I, I I've been to the rift, gentlemen. I <laughs> <All> right, so,
2: <laughs> I don't I don't salty. know what the
1: long term effects of that has been on me, but uh, well,
0: here's what you can do: send me the picture and we'll put it uh, in the show okay. notes.
1: <laughs> very
0: good how about that so yeah. uh, here's something that i noticed at the beginning and it's something interesting that we've been talking about as a fandom lately which is the wardrobe you know we keep talking about we never see the wardrobe and we keep thinking yes. and, and he mentions how to get to the wardrobe and this is as far directions. back. yes
2: yeah. uh, which i thought was really 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 interesting Hmm. yeah rose is beautiful and what the heck is a jumper? Just a shirt? I, I don't understand. It's, the it's, it's sweater. Over here we say sweater. Oh, <laughs> yeah. okay. Well, she did have, have my jumper. A jumper.
1: Changed me jumper, yeah. Oh,
0: him, uh, him, him, yeah. him, 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 him. It was something about him. Yeah. And I didn't realize, and did, did you guys realize how young
1: the character of Rose was? Uh, yeah, which certainly made me feel like an old creeper when I was being reminded <laughs> about it. <laughs> Like, Oh yeah. Yeah. She's a teenager. (laughs) Sorry. Yeah. She's, she's, she's 19. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah.
0: But I didn't realize though that, you know, I mean, I, I, I I guess I just assumed she was in her mid twenties and I had
1: forgotten that line saying that she was only 19. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Yeah. And, and, and props to him for knowing that and remembering it and caring about it, you know, and because no, go ahead. You know, (laughs) because sometimes he doesn't remember things like that, uh, you know, so, well, I was just going to make a joke and say, want to talk
0: about robbing the cradle. I mean, he was a good 850 at the time and she's only 19. I mean, can you imagine the age difference?
2: (laughs) Well, come on, Cal, the the, the doctor, they can't even help the doctor when he stumbles. They can't touch him. You know, we don't do that.
1: That's true. That's true. That's right.
0: So, um, You you know, it's funny, Clarence, that now that you and Jess have gotten me to watch The Walking Dead, and I'm sitting here watching this episode tonight, and they've got nothing but zombies in this episode, I kept hearing you in my head say, it's not about the zombies! (laughs) Uh, And this one kind of is, yeah. yeah, It It really is. (laughs) And maybe that's where I got in my head that everything that was zombified would be about the zombies. Maybe this is what spoiled my brain for the walking dead for a while.
1: Mm, yeah, maybe. Maybe. So I Lee,
0: know. I have a question for you. Yeah. You said that this was an episode that you were really like excited to talk about. Why?
1: Um just really I, what I meant was just that uh, I hadn't been on the show since you uh since you started since we've rebooted and gone back to rose. Oh, so, okay. Uh, so so that's fun, but um also because um I, I'm realizing now that I, it's been a long time since I've gone back to the beginning and watched these, um, these episodes. And I, I'm just, I'm enjoying them so much. They're so, they're so good, aren't they? Yes. <laughs> they're just so good. Yes. And, uh, which makes you feel like, uh, sometimes like, Lord, how the mighty have fallen, but, um. Oh, but come on. Yes. <laughs> I, I guess I, because I, it's been a long time since I felt this week after week. There's how, of course, now next week it's the Slatine and you know, so we can debate that, I guess, but, um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I, I don't want to get a, get us ahead, but, um, but I remember, um, that, um, my son and I had the end of the world in some form where we could watch it over and over again. And I'm trying to think, I'm not sure why that was, but, um, he was 10 years old, and I remember him saying, what did the little blue guy say? He means the mocks of Balhoun. There's this one thing where the camera is just moving past them very quickly. And he's talking to the face of Bo. And what the mocks of Balhoon is saying is it's the total bad wolf scenario. Hmm. And, and that line is completely thrown away. And I had to go back this time and, and look. That's the first time that anybody says bad wolf. And... And, and, you know, we know from our perspective that that is being deliberately seeded through the whole season. But I remember how exciting that was. Once you caught on to the fact that you're being something is being trailed in front of our noses, but there's just yeah. no explanation what is. And then in this one, of course, Gwyneth looks deep into Rose yes. and she recognizes the bad wolf. It's um, so, right. <laughs> and, and so that was the first time that it had become personal. And that's only in its in its second mention. So and as we know that it's gonna we're gonna keep hearing and seeing Bad Wolf. It's gonna be graffiti, it's gonna be the name of the somebody's helicopter. Yeah. Yeah. And the Bad Wolf Corporation and and on and on, things like that. Um and I just remember how much fun it was to spin theories about what it might mean. And of course I had my ideas and I was completely wrong, which is the most fun of all, you know. Um and how I loved the final revelation of uh, the bad wolf and the, the reasons for it and so on. So I, don't know, I just I just got excited about the first year, about the ninth Doctor year, all over again. It's a wonderful thing. Uh, so yeah,
0: Clarence. What about you? What, what 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 did you find most interesting about this well,
2: one? I mean, I don't remember having as much fun with this Doctor now, um, you know, as I had before. Cause I, you know, you remember, but it's like not like I was just, you know, raving about this doctor. But man, he has so many great lines in the show. So many great moments, a moment with him and Rose and he's like, uh, now she's asking him about um asking about how he can travel all time and space. And he says, Not a bad life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and she she just <laughs> says better with two. And it was like two or three moments in this episode where he kind of throws in a one line like, oh, that's so good. You know, and it just kind of continues on from from the last episode, you know, just great quips, great lines in there. And that's kind of what I'm really loving about, you know, about this doctor and just, you know, Rose has a certain freshness. You know, I said freshness, but this is the beginning of the reboot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, but just having gone through all the episodes and coming back, you know, you feel that freshness that she brings to the role. And, uh, um, yeah, it's just, just really enjoying it. What yeah, about you, man? Yeah, that's, you know,
0: I, I, I have to admit something. And th- for this particular episode, I don't think I have seen this one since my watch through of the David Tennant, uh, Episodes, and I don't know why I watched this one, you know, because this is not David Tennant, but I watched every episode up to the end of time for, um, you know, in 2010. So, you know, there you go. It was 2010 or actually 2009 since I've seen this. So it's been, you know, my gosh, God, blah, blah, blah. It's been, um, uh, you know, nine years since I've uh, seen this. So. Mm. Uh, having said that, wow, it's been nine years, but uh, having said that again, I really remembered what happened to some degree, but I wasn't like super excited, kind of like I'm not that excited because I don't like the Sladeen. So next week's episode is not one that I'm like, oh, I can't wait to see. But now having watched this one and seen the moments that you two have just mentioned and thinking for what this was as a story, it was, you know, pretty darn good. Now I'm excited to s- s- sl- slidane aside to see what other tidbits that I've forgotten about
2: over the years. So, yeah, let me let me ask you guys. Um, you know, I'm just thinking about the, you know, I've been talking about the special effects quality and how I was surprised going back for these first two episodes, how good it was. And it kind of gets short shrift shrift when we talk about it as compared to what we see today. But again, I think it was a really good special effects episode for its day. And was it just me or was some of the panning and the camera work and maybe Lee, maybe you can speak to this. Was it purposely shot like an older style movie? or was it just bad transfer or <laughs> that's just how they shot it at the time I don't know it just seemed like they shot it in the older style for for certain scenes especially when it was uh, in the house it, in the um in the morgue as well as you know when they were panning in the Charles Dickens around him and stuff i thought it i felt like it was very much shot in a certain style but maybe it was just me reading into it
1: hmm
2: yeah i'm not even sure i know exactly what you mean but uh well um, it, yeah, particularly that, that first shot when they show Charles Dickens, he's like sitting he's like sitting at a table mm-hmm. and they have, are like panned in on the <clears> mirror and they like pull out. It's, it's a shot in the style that kinda I don't know, I picked up on it, but maybe it, it's just a transfer because we know this is a standard definition show that they've already zoomed in to make it, you know, kind of H D. Yeah. Uh so maybe it's just the weird transfer that makes it mm-hmm. look a little vintage to me. Yeah, if it wasn't, if
1: it wasn't intended to be, to ever be HD. (laughs) Yeah. Maybe so. But
0: but you know what, Clarence, I, I can't put my finger on it, but I, I, you know, I keep seeing as you're describing that and, and I don't know if it's like what you're saying. They're trying to up, um, the quality and you're watching it on Amazon, aren't you? Yes. Okay. So I am too. This is one of the episodes that I don't actually own. So if I'm if I'm watching it on Amazon, maybe their quality, their streaming quality got me and I know we discussed that in a previous episode. I don't know if that was it, but I my eyes saw whatever it was that you're referring to. I can't, you know, put words to what that is, but but but, but I kind of had that same feeling like okay, the quality is just different. Yeah, which is which I find is, you know, interesting. Is it uh, the year or is it, you know, did they do it it on purpose? Exactly. Mm
2: -hmm. Mm. So, guys, big question. Tell me all the times the doctor has been a fanboy. I want to know this. Give me the details. (laughs) Well, he's very excited to see
1: um, uh, Agatha Christie. And uh, he's he's got one of her paperbacks uh, in the control room, which I think is something. Um, <clears throat> yeah, leaping ahead, he's going to be super excited to meet Shakespeare. And, um, and we we learned that he's a that he he knows what he's talking about. Uh, what other things jump to your mind?
0: Oh 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 oh. Going back into the past again, and one that will get me every single time, Vincent oh, Van Gogh. Vincent, absolutely, oh, yes. so good. So good. Yeah. You know, and uh, pretty much he's a fa- If it's a historical figure, <laughs> mm-hmm. he is a fan. I mean, have you ever noticed that? Absolutely. If, if he's meeting a historical figure, it pretty much, unless that histo- – now, well, I take that back. They did meet Hitler, and he was not a fan. So, 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 so let me, let me clarify
1: that most historical figures, he is a fan. Right. But that gets made up for by how much, how big a Churchill fan he is. Um, So he's excited to be around Churchill. Um, Yeah. When I was saying it's always great when they meet a historical figure and then I qualified it, I was thinking about how uh, shamefully uh, HG Wells gets treated. I explain uh, when the, uh, the sixth doctor, the sixth doctor meets him and, um, there's this young man who's kind of, he's in the story and it's not important that he's in the story at all. It's, it's just a total waste of, of the character. And then we sort of at some point find out that that's H.G. Wells and you kind of know where this joke is going and, and, she, as they're taking him back to his own time and place. He says, "Hmm, time travel. That's interesting. I might write a book about that." <laughs> and it's just okay. Wow, that was a long way to go to get there, though.
2: <laughs> you know, it's just so.
1: Uh, it's too
2: bad. But. Which, yeah, which makes it so great in this Charles Dickens story is that you know we learn that it's the end of his life. You know, he has more writing left. Which I, I I felt that perspective. I appreciate that a lot more. You know, because he's already done the stuff. That's great. You know, the doctors. Already a fanboy of all that he's done so far and just quoting as much and talking about the books. And, you know, um, he just give them, gives him a little joy before the end, which I thought was fantastic. Mm-hmm. You know,
0: you, and, love that. And, and I love the fact that you subconsciously or maybe you did this on purpose, but regardless of why or how you use fantastic <laughs> good, good, good play on words. You, you, you get conditioned <laughs> sort of, yeah, to say that. So I have a question for both of you. And, um, it, it's more on the ninth doctor than it is the, uh, you know, the story itself. So, and I think I have even alluded or brought this up to you guys before, but, but I think it's worth stating again. I, I'm really enjoying going back and watching. And Clarence, I'm so glad that you suggested you know, going back to 2005 and starting reviewing every episode because, for this very reason, I had forgotten how much I enjoyed Eccleston's Ninth Doctor. And I'm going to ask this question if I've asked it before. I'm asking it again. Do we think that my forgetting the Ninth Doctor or not giving much... Credence or as much credence to his era is because of Eccleston not wanting to, you know, be what other doctors do after they leave Doctor Who, or is it just, it's been so long ago? Mm. Clarence, what do you think?
2: I don't know. I think it's maybe more an effect of not an effect of his time on the show and maybe a more effective, uh, or a result of, excuse me, a result of tenant coming next. It, you know, um, tenant was a yeah. great doctor and they, they keep kind of uh, up in the ante. So m- maybe the shortened time along with Tenet coming next, maybe, um, I don't know, gives you a lesser opinion of them. You know, you don't have them as much in your consciousness, but, but yeah, I don't know. What, what do you think? You, Lee? Well, yeah. What do you think, Lay?
1: I, I really think it's that he, he was overshadowed by, uh, by David Tennant and, uh, and also just a lot of time has passed. We've, we've had a lot to, to grapple with. We've had three doctors since then or, and, and, um, it's just been a lot to have in our minds, but I I'm having the exact experience too. I just can't get over how much I'm enjoying the ninth doctor. It's it i I forgot, I forgot <laughs> how well. And, and when I was listening to um, the previous episodes of, uh, of this show where the two of you were talking about Rose and uh, the end of the world, I, I can't remember which of you said it. We were talking about um, uh, Eccleston as the kind of this motor mouth doctor that he, he, he's hyperactive he he and, he and he will not shut up and i i had forgotten about that but i love that about him i just love that he he's endlessly narrating his own thoughts and making comments on things and and moving on, I one of my favorite things this is maybe this is weird, but one of my favorite things in Unquiet Dead is him rattling off a bunch of stuff. Dickens has an opinion. Duck tells him to shut up. Yes, and then he goes so back great. to what he's talking about. So great. <laughs> and then in the very next scene, of course, he, he's again sort of narrating his thoughts and then interrupts himself to say, "By the way, shouldn't have said shut up to you about that. I'm sorry." And goes back to what he's saying. <laughs> I just it, it's uh, you know Mark Gatiss had the. He 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 either had really picked up on what Russell T. Davies was trying to do with the character, or that's RTD as an editorial hand, making sure that the Doctor is consistent from episode to episode. Okay,
0: so I'm going to make a comment that will probably be blasphemy to Sherlock fans, so let me say that and and say that well before I say what I'm about to say. You know, I, I don't mean this, you know, but j- just take it for what it is about what I'm about to say. <laughs> I love... Mark Gatiss's work on, um, Sherlock. However, there are a lot of things that he has written in Dr. Who that I've not been a f- fan of, or think that that was a very strong episode. That being said, <clears> throat> <was> throat> not, which yeah. one, which <clears> throat> one? Lazarus. <throat>
1: yeah. I was just calling. <laughs> <to> say, <clears> throat> 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 Lazarus. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. 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 Ooh, yeah, <laughs> okay. yeah.
0: But, um, you know, th- this one w- w- was one that I actually found that I enjoyed. And, and you know, watching the n- this particular doctor, the ninth doctor, I keep coming back to the fact of, yes, Tom Baker was my first doctor whenever I was a kid. But as an adult, Christopher Eccleston was my first doctor experiencing Doctor Who as an adult. And yeah. when I had to part ways with him... I, I can remember, you know, my eyes starting to get, uh, very excessively, um, <laughs> irritated while, uh, you know, I was watching in ways that as much as I liked the 12th doctor, they did not become as nearly as irritated as it did, you know, when, um, I had to part ways with the ninth. So, um, I, I guess it's just, uh, a compliment to the writing back to 2005. But just, I just find it very weird that all three of us are doctor who fans and we seem to keep, act, you know, bringing up that we forgot how good some of these episodes were.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah. But well, what a pleasant surprise. Huh? <laughs> Ooh, very, very true. Very
0: true. So, um, yeah, go ahead.
2: What? Yeah, I was going to say one, one other thing in the episode that I loved that they kind of explained off with, I guess not really science, but they had a really good explanation was when, uh, Gwyneth was, you know, given the prophetic words to Rose. Um, and you know, they kind of used the fact that she grew up on the rift as, as why she has these powers, which I thought was awesome. Just an awesome explanation. Really loved that about this episode and also how in the, um, if we move on a little further to the seance they had, how um they kind of brought up the Time War, I thought was really cool. Oh, you know, yeah, so yeah. So yeah. they keep like you mentioned with the bad wolf. They these first few episodes, they have been peppering in the Time War. So also cool stuff to kind of get us into it. <laughs> hmm. <clears throat> And, and, and Clarence, you just made
0: me see something that I've never seen before. So I'm going to pose a theory to the two of you. So it is a true statement that Mark Gates and Stephen Moffat are friends. Would Would you not both agree that outside because they work together or if they're not friends, they are professional collaborators? Would we agree that's a true statement?
1: Yeah, the the co-creators of two C- T- TV series, yeah. yeah okay, so, yeah.
0: so having said that, I, I'm going to pose the theory that um Stephen Moffat used a little bit of Mark Gatiss's brain energy <laughs> with the rift of uh, Gwyneth and being, you know, things absorbing into uh Gwyneth because of the rift when he just happened to not have a rift, but more maybe of a crack in a child's wall that absorbed into the child that made this child immune to all different kinds of wibbly-wobblies and timey-wimeys. Just just posing that, you know, I just find that quite interesting watching this now, knowing that they're friends, and that's just like... The three of us talking when we're not recording and one of right. us pick up on an idea and use it a different way that, in, that, um, case in point, Clarence, I was making a comment to you the other day that I really liked how you said something on your Star Trek discovery podcast. And I said, Oh, well, I'm going to steal that because I like how you said it. So, uh, you know, I just, I just found that
1: interesting yeah. that, um, you know, that little tidbit there. And it's how a writer's room works or a writing staff works is you're, you're constantly sharing ideas like that. So, you know, I'm sure you're exactly right. There's, there's, you know, they, they have to have just spent time talking about, okay, there their are access points on the earth to other dimensions. So let's talk about that, you know? So that's where the, the crack in the wall comes from. And, and you know, that makes perfect sense. And wasn't there something similar on class as well, that there was, there was some kind of a physical, yeah, I I, I, I I can't remember now, but it was like it, it, was was, the- it was
0: the heart, wasn't it? The heart was she one of the characters had the heart. Oh, of the, and that was the
1: connection between the shadow king or
0: the demon king or yeah. whatever it was.
1: Yeah, you're right. I, you know, I wasn't even thinking of that. I was thinking of something like a, you know, another hole in the wall kind of thing. But yeah, but there was definitely that she became uh, the rift. Yeah, yeah. that's right. So, hmm. so you know, I, I have to think everybody who's writing in the Doctor Who universe, there, there's this collective body of ideas that you, you have to – that you can draw on and think about precedents that have been set and
2: that kind of thing. So, yeah. What do you guys think of the – the I guess the moral, moral quandary of the episode? Um, and that's the point where they talk about, you know, the Doctor's willing to let these uh, guilt – I think that's how you say them. The Mm Gelf come through and and use dead bodies. And Rose is just, no, that's not right. You have to respect the dead. Mm -hmm. Which I just thought it provided just a good moment to kind of look at things a little bit differently. Of course, we have a lot of things to play in how we respect our dead. You know, religion, you know, passing on to whatever afterlife uh, your religion supports. So, I thought that was just a really good moment to make us think a little bit because the doctor was like, uh, do you have a donor donor card? I'm like, Oh, Oh, wow. You really hurt my brain now. (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm. And, and, and the way
1: that's played is he's, He has dealt with this subject already a thousand years, uh, you know, 800 years ago, you know, moving on. He's already made up his mind about how he feels about this and is impatient that Rose isn't right there with him. Yeah. Now, to me, this is science fiction at its best, you know, when when it can make us think about things IRL in a way that we haven't before. And, yeah, I'm still remembering from back in 2006 the sort of thrill of that moment. It's like, wow, that's a real important Wow, I'm not sure whose side I'm on here. That's, <laughs> yeah. But when, when she says, you can't do that. And he says, why not? I I thought, well, I don't have a good answer, actually. Um, yeah.
2: <laughs> and he kind of provides the second moment in the episode where he kind of just outright, does he want to say what was on his mind? Because he tells her, "Uh, it's a different morali- morality. Get used yeah. to it or go home. I was like, whoa. <laughs> oh, yeah,
1: yeah. And which, you know, very, again, looking way into the future, but it very much parallels the conversation that um, uh, the 12th Doctor has with Bill uh, when they're uh, in uh, uh, on the frozen Thames. Yeah. You know, uh, it's yeah. it's it's the same conversation. He's, he says, this is how it is. You know? And what I
0: find quite interesting is that was also the third episode of the, you know, series 10. Because, you know, we kept referring to the introduction of Bill was like a reintroduction of Doctor Who. Mm-hmm. So you had the introduction, first episode of the um, Companion. The second episode, you have a future episode. The third mm-hmm. episode is a... A historical episode. So You go into the past. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, right there, Series 10, Series
1: 9, another example of them paralleling each other in a way. And, you know, since I've thought about that before, I haven't sat down to do it, and I know somebody else has. But uh, if this isn't consciously something that we do with all of our new companions, that the first story takes place on Earth in the present, then the next one takes you into the future, and then the third one takes you into the past – because it seemed to me like like we did it with Martha too, yeah. and I'm thinking, did we do it with Donna as well? I, you know, I, I just haven't sat down and looked at the episodes, but uh, but but wouldn't it be fun if it turned out that that was actually a formula that that we've been quietly following all this time? I never even realized it. <laughs> but it did do it with Bill,
2: definitely. You know, that, yeah. So yeah this this episode like makes me. Well, I have to ask you guys this question: Can we think of times that the doctor has made the wrong decision? because what what we see in this episode is that his willingness to trust this guilt um this alien species uh, kind of leads to them getting into this <laughs> almost impossible position to where you know they say about Charles Dickens, mm-hmm. and um yeah and Rose you know knows this is not a game anymore <laughs> she kind of says oh i can I can die, I can't die, you know, so you know, can you give me an example of other instances the doctors kind of you know, just, just made a bad decision when he think he's kind of think he's doing the right thing. Uh, Good one. Uh, that's a
1: terrific question, really, isn't it? Because it's so important to the character. If he's if he's flawless, then, well, yeah, I think he ceases to be interesting. So, yeah, we, we know that he's really messed up sometimes. He shouldn't have, um, I guess, if we're going to look ahead in the, the new series, I, I think he shouldn't have let Rose get so close to uh, baby Rose in uh, Father's Day. Yeah. I mean he he tells her you can't do this. I, I can't even let you go watch this. And then he does it anyway. And um yeah. Okay. So so since so you that, brought that up, that's one of my yeah.
0: pet peeves of the entire <laughs> series because <laughs> <I> we <know. laughs> because we know that other other companions can can physically touch their younger selves and We've and, seen it. Yes, we've seen it. Maybe the world was already ending, that's why it was okay. <laughs> but yeah, um, but, to, but, but back to Clarence's question and in the context, I'm going to answer it in the context of the perception of the ninth doctor. So let me preface that before I say what I'm about to say. So in the perception of the ninth doctor, one of the mistakes that I think that he's made in his eyes is Killing his own people by what he did to end the time war by killing all Daleks and all Time Lords alike to end the time war. I think that would be a mistake that he regrets and is probably some of the reasons why he's willing to be as forgiving, especially when they, when these beings say, you know we are here because yeah. oh, of the time war it's good guilt point. good point not yeah. necessarily trusting but guilt
1: instead yeah mm-hmm. so, yeah that does seem to be the motivation there yeah so he owes it to them yeah so very good question very good question yeah. so gentlemen yeah. any other thoughts about this particular episode hmm. it's um as as we've seen the budgets come and go for the show i was really impressed by how how big it seems you know, we've got a, a theater that's uh, that's full of, full of people in the audience, you know, and that's something that you you can't always afford to do on a show like this. But to get all these people together and you, that means you have to costume them.
2: Yeah,
1: and um, and um, and I, I thought that was very impressive. Everything there in the theater, um, uh, where you reach back to um. The, uh, one of the great, one of the, the very best of the classic series, uh, the Talons of Wing Chiang. That whole thing is set in a Victorian theater and we kept seeing the stage, but we, you never had the point of view shot where you looked out and saw the audience, you know? <laughs> yeah. Cause, um, that would have broken the bank. <laughs> so we're always in the audience looking at the stage. <laughs> so, uh, so it's, but, um, but yeah, with this you you saw everything. And so, and, and, and I think the, the Gelth are, are really, um, impressive. Effect. Um, you you can't not think of the end of Raiders: The Lost Ark. Um, yeah, <laughs> and, but they're just um, they're completely convincing to me. I, I, and I and I always love the little moment where they will go zipping back toward the gas lights and this little pop when they go down the they go back down the pipes. <laughs> and I just, I just love that. So it's just fun to watch. A fun story to watch.
0: All right, Clarence. Any any other thoughts from you on this episode?
2: Hmm. Uh One in particular that I didn't really get is when the point that the doctor said Gwyneth was already dead um and then Rose says, "But she was talking, and then the doctor just kind of blows it off <laughs> um I didn't really understand it, but you know part of the show, I guess we're not to understand it yeah. and also yeah it and and also when the undertaker like kidnapped Rose for no apparent reason, I really didn't understand e- that either. Though so it gives the doctor reason to come to the, the morgue. So hey.
0: <laughs> yeah. I'm kind of with you there too. Cause it was like, he really wasn't bad, but they, I think was it maybe he tried to play it m- more sinister at the beginning to cr- create some suspense and then made him sympathetic at the end. Uh, cause, cause, te- cause technically both of them die anyway. Yeah.
1: But I'd never for one moment thought he was mm-hmm. bad. No, I, I, I saw bumbling, not bad. Yeah. He's in a tough situation and, yeah, but yeah, why did they kidnap Rose? <laughs> yeah. Well, cause, you know, she had seen too
0: much. No, she hadn't seen too much. She was just there and was nosy. If he would have said mm-hmm. she's being nosying in our business, then that made sense. But no, she's seen too much. Okay. She, you saw uh, a dead body. It's a hearse. Uh, not that big of a surprise that you see a dead body in a hearse
1: (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) where where you'd expect them.
0: Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So so that just didn't uh, make sense to me. But, but, but before before we finish, Lee, I've got a question for you. Mm -hmm. I never paid attention in that, or I didn't pay attention the last time I watched it to the two uh, sugar cubes in the coffee or tea or whatever. Is that a third Doctor reference to the Doctor Warning Tea from uh, Joe Grant?
1: Or where have we heard that before? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I never thought of it as being something connected to the classic series. And neither did
0: I whenever uh, I watched it the first time. But for some reason... I am wondering if in that episode that we reviewed on Podshot with Lewis, the, the, and it was actually you and I's first time on, and we were mm. revu- reviewing the um, the Solarians, and um, I remember that there was something about making, uh you know, sandwiches, and he's like, Joe, fetch me something to eat or something like that. I'm wondering if... If in that scene, if that's what I'm remembering, that he said, I, and I'll have two teas or two sugars in my tea or something. Well,
1: I don't know, but uh, maybe this is a good time to pitch to um, to how people can contact the show because ah, somebody because sure somebody out there is going to know that and they're going to write in and tell us.
2: Yeah, guys, if you want to send us some fan mail, you can send it in to discussing who at Gmail dot com. Also, if you want to leave us a voicemail, you can call us and leave that at 805-850-DHOO.
0: Good deal. Well, gentlemen, this has been a honor and a privilege. It uh, has been fun to talk about. So thank you for joining me on the Unquiet Dead review. So appreciate it. And for everyone listening, we appreciate your time. And we will be back next time.
1: Discussing Who is brought to you by Audible. You've probably heard of Audible, but just in case, they are the world's leading provider of audiobooks. They have more than 180,000 titles. Let me say that again. 180,000 So here's how you get started. Point your favorite web browser to audibletrial.com slash discussingwho. That's audibletrial, all one word, A-U-D-I-B-L-E-T-R-I-A-L dot com slash discussingwho, also one word. And that's how you get your free book. What could be better than that? You've been listening to the Discussing Who podcast. Discussing Who is made by fans for fans. No copyright infringement is intended. Show us your fans of the show by liking us on Facebook, following us on Twitter. You can find us on the web at www.discussingwho.com. Want more Discussing Who? Find us on iTunes, Google Play Music, Player FM, the Doctor Who Podshock Alliance, and more. Send us your feedback to discussingwho at gmail.com. Or if you'd like, simply record a voice message and send that to us via your smartphone, tablet, or computer. We want to hear from you.